0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Never Too Late podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to highlighting individual stories and successes that prove it's never too late to start or do anything in your life. We hope that this podcast will help our listeners in discovering their true potential and prove that no matter what stage of life you are in or what challenges you have faced, there is nothing holding you back. My name is Joseph Sprung, and I'm excited to take you all through this journey with me as I connect with people from all walks of life and hear their stories, for those of you who do not know me, I am in finance by trade, but love to give back to a variety of non-profit organizations. I am the co-founder of It's Never Too Late to Start, a non-profit organization that is dedicated to empowering female entrepreneurs at every stage and every age to break down into entrepreneurial barriers. We do this by helping them stay focused and encouraged by providing the tools necessary to grow and thrive. I am so excited for our first guest, Deborah Mars Clay, who unfortunately lived through a very traumatic event. Almost 26 years ago, Clay was at a Douglasville, Georgia gas station when a carjacker put a gun to her head and took off with her and her 13-year-old daughter in a car. Deborah was shot in the head and not expected to survive at the time. State trooper, came to the rescue, his name is Larry Schnall, saved her life during the incident, and is now considered her hero. 20 years after the incident, Deborah, even though she should have done it a lot sooner, decided to thank Larry and show gratitude. In this episode, we will hear her tell her story and see how much she embodies the idea of it's never too late to overcome obstacles and to show gratitude for the people in your life. Hi, I'm Joe Sprung. Hello, and welcome to the Never Too Late to Start, the show that highlights stories of people everywhere who have proved that it's never too late to get started on a new path of success. Despite life's challenges, people are resilient, and our goal here is to share these stories of resilience that we hope will serve as inspiration. Today with me is Deborah Mars-Clay, Nearly after two decades, Deborah was carjacked and almost killed and met the state trooper who saved her and her daughter. Today, we'll be hearing her story and how she embodies the idea of it's never too late to show gratitude. Deborah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I grew up in Georgia. I had a great childhood and, um, let's
1: see, I'm a substitute. A school teacher at West Forsyth High School. Um, I have three daughters whom I'm very proud of and I'm visiting New York City today.
0: <laughs> okay well, well welcome to New York and I hope you don't find New York too scary these days after the pandemic.
1: No. I'm well, you fair. hear
0: stories about that but uh, New York is coming back and New York will be coming back. Now why don't you tell us a little bit about the day that this happened. Where were you? Where were you going? What happened? You know who? It, you know.
1: Yeah, it was a Monday afternoon, a normal day. Nothing to be afraid of or, un- or anything unexpected. I um, was visiting my sister in Douglasville. And um, it was two 2.30 2 30 in the afternoon, I was on my way back home. And um, I was in a safe suburban neighborhood. And I'd uh, stopped for gas. And um, just a normal day. And up from behind me, I felt a force. And a man put a gun to my head and picked me up and threw me in my car. And he went across me with a gun the whole time, scraping my hand and leaving a a nick into my hand. And he said, drive. Well, my instinct instantly knew was to drive. And I started the van. And I asked him, you know, when you have somebody that has a gun in your head, you do what they you do what they want, you know, you don't fight them. And I'm like, which way do you want to go? And I and pulling out of the gas station, I, I noticed a police car, and I, I motioned to this guy's name was Oliver, and I said, help me. And he's well, how
0: that. did you motion to with your hands with your mouth? Just with
1: my mouth. I okay. said, help me. Okay. And, um, and we
0: were you able to see whether he heard, whether he saw you or not, or you, t- you didn't even know whether he saw later you?
1: Later, he told me that when he came to visit me in oh, the hospital. At that point,
0: at that moment, did you know whether no, he saw you? Okay.
1: No, no. But later, he did tell me that he saw it, and you know, of course, he wanted to help. And where do we go? We a high speed chase pursued. The um, he was hanging out the window, shooting at the cops, and the cops were shooting at the of the van trying to stop him. And um, the radio, funny thing, I remember this, is the radio was on so loud, and the, the, the noise, until you hear a gun shoot that close to you, you don't realize how loud it is. And the noise was crazy. I, was, I asked him, I said, can we turn down the music on the radio? Do you remember
0: what was playing?
1: No, I don't. But it was, I just remember the noise. He never answered me back because he was, he was on drugs. And uh, so I didn't touch anything. I just sat there and did whatever I was told to do. And then? My family thought, oh, God, she was arguing with him or something. But no, you don't argue with somebody that's got a gun at your head.
0: Okay. And do you, and would you remember what happened after that? Or you just?
1: Uh, he did just the high-speed chase pursuit and i knew that there were a lot of cops involved at that point you could see them everywhere and 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 the noise got greater and um i remember thinking god just don't let him get away with us because i thought he's going to go bury us somewhere who knows you know just 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 fearful and my thought was i'm the news You know, what was my very first thought, because nothing bad had ever happened to me. But you watch the news every day, and you hear about it, and I'm "I'm the news.
0: And what what did you think about your daughter at that point? Oh,
1: everything I did was for my daughter, everything. That was my only concern, was for Elizabeth. She was 13 months old. So, yeah. I didn't care about myself. I cared about I, her safety, and thank God that was a that was comfort to me. Was I knew I was very very particular about how tight that car seat was into the car, and I would take it and shake it and make sure that Elizabeth couldn't be moved in her car seat, and that that was comforting to me to know that she was very very secure in her car seat.
0: So, what's the first thing you remember uh, once you regain consciousness?
1: I um. I thought I had a nose job or something <laughs> because my face hurt so bad. I thought, what, what have they done to me? Why am I in the hospital? <laughs> because the, the pain across the front of my face was bad.
0: So but, you, you didn't remember being shot or anything?
1: No, I did not myself, but my dad told me that I told him I, I, I was shot. And I also couldn't speak at that point because I didn't know it, but I was paralyzed on my left side. And I couldn't speak, but I had learned sign language, and I s- sign language to him, "I'm okay." And my dad was like, "That was the most glorious moment."
0: When did you learn sign language?
1: In high school. How come? Just for fun.
0: Just for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I know you do work with children with special needs, so do you yes. use that uh, skill uh, sometimes?
1: Yes, you can. You can use that with the kids because they do notice okay. physical okay. movements.
0: And tell us about your recovery from the, from the shooting.
1: Well, uh, I never thought I was sick. You know, in my head, I'm like, I'm going to get over this. I have a 13-month-old baby. I'm going to be fine. And I, they took me to a rehab hospital, and they put me in a wheelchair. I would get up in the night and, like, practice going to the bathroom by myself because they wanted to strap me down. And everybody was so afraid because I was one of the first women or people that had been, you know, shot in the head and survived. And uh, my recovery took a while, but the physical part was fast. They sent me home from the hospital with this chair to take showers with, and I was like, no, this is not going to happen to me. Um, I was pretty... Strong, but I was young you know I was, I was going to have it the recovery the emotional recovery was I was childlike I went from calling mom and dad to mommy daddy I was very childlike uh, my mom asked me one time like what do you want to do what do you want to do for the rest of your life my mom was by my side for months I said you know mom I just want to stay home I want to stay home and be safe but my mom like looked at me and God like this is not not you and so the emotional part took a while. But I remember. And so, so what, what
0: happened to the shooter?
1: Oh, he had, he had been arrested 21 times of violent crimes. He was out of jail illegally. He signed an alias, and they just let him out of prison.
0: So, after they caught him, or they.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Larry shot him. After Larry hit him and ran him off into the ditch, he was hanging out the van trying to escape. And Larry shot him through the chest.
0: Did he die? or did No, no. He... He, uh,
1: he was in the same hospital that I was. Of course, they had police and guards all over the place because they were afraid my dad would, you know, like, go kill him or something.
0: So and, uh, what, what happened? Did you have to go to a trial? or?
1: I, we, uh, I didn't have to, but they asked me if I, um, if I wanted to, and I said, sure, why not? You know, it was all part of the healing And at the trial, of course, he pled guilty because there are so many eyewitnesses, including the people that were working in the gas station. And um, his attorney asked me um, if I would allow him to speak to me because they wouldn't have allowed him to speak to me. And I said, sure. And he had an orange suit and shackles. And he approached me and he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. Jesus came to me in a dream and told me to stand up and do what was right. That's what he said to me. And everybody laughed at it. Everybody was like, "Oh yeah, sure." You know, da, da. but you know what? That meant so much to me. I believed him. You know, I felt felt it that he was sincere. And it was so healing for me that I didn't have to like I never hated him or felt Anything toward him really. I, I just felt sorry for him or whatever happened to him in his life that made him such a violent criminal.
0: So, was, was Larry in, in, at the court with you at the same time?
1: No, Larry was not there that day.
0: So, why wasn't Larry there? Then he would have been a perfect uh, eyewitness or yeah. to testify to what had happened.
1: I'm not sure, other than that it was pretty much like a slam dunk that this guy was going to jail.
0: I was going to jail. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then afterwards, uh, what prompted you after 20 20 years to go back and try and find Larry?
1: It was part of the healing process for me because really it took me, I I think I noticed about at the 16-year point that all the emotional trauma within me had just, like, vanished, and all of a sudden I felt like I was grown again. I was well. And then I thought, well, I have to to finish this journey and find, you know, the police officers, and Larry in particular, because he was the one who was left alone in the end to rescue us. And, and even he said that. He said, I w- he did all these maneuvers to get rid of the other police officers. He said, I was the last one. I knew I had to get to you. And I said, man, you know, I've got to find this guy. I've got to thank him. I've got to show him what we did, what you know, Elizabeth, and and how proud I was of her. And she was, I wanted him to see. And also, that was during a time that everybody was trashing the police, like crazy. It was all over the media about the police. And I was like, look, you know, without the police that day, you know, where would I be? Where would Elizabeth be? You know, there's good, good guys out there, good, good people that are, you know, serving us. And I wanted to thank him.
0: Did you feel embarrassed at all that it took you so long to get back to him, to thank him?
1: No. No, not at all. Because
0: a lot of times when people, you know, ha- haven't talked to someone for a long time, they're reluctant to pick up the phone or to say that they're sorry if they had a fight with somebody.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't embarrassed because he, I knew that he would understand that I had been sick. I was still in recovery. See, the brain is a very powerful healer, but it's a very slow healer. So he w- I knew he would understand. So I wasn't, no, I wasn't. Oh, it was
0: because it took you so long to heal from the, from the injury itself, that that's why it took you so Correct.
1: long. Correct, yeah.
0: Okay, so what, what uh, can you tell our audience that it's such an inspiring story that what had happened to you, what can you share with us to inspire other people to, who have not thanked people in their lives who have been important to them? who have made a difference in their lives or people that they've had uh, fights with and they haven't talked for, you know, you hear this story all the time where family members don't talk to each other for all this time and somebody needs to break the ice to do that. So what can you share with everyone uh, to, to sum up the courage to, uh, to be able to do it?
1: I would just say life is too short. You just, you don't know tomorrow tomorrow you could you could get killed and and life is too short and we should fill our lives with joy and forgiveness and just concentrate on on how much power and strength you have within you i mean you know you, you don't until you use use your forgiveness you use your strengths within you you don't realize how strong you are and how strong they are and when you use them you gain momentum and you you become more powerful within you to forgive to move forward and be happy. <laughs> so, how would you say your
0: life turned out now? Are you happy?
1: I am so happy. I am so happy, and I um, have a great life. I, and I'm I'm thankful. I, you know, I look at myself in the mirror. And I would have been the first one online to say, "No way, no way, no way, could I do that?" And I look at, I'm like, "Wow."
0: And I know this weekend is a big weekend in your family with Elizabeth, so why don't you tell us what's going on with Elizabeth for She's this weekend?
1: going to mm-hmm. have a gender reveal. I'm going to be a grandmother, and I'm so excited. So.
0: so it's a perfect weekend for a perfect time for us to have this podcast where that you see what happens that in one moment where this man was there and he changed the, basically changed the course of history by saving Deborah and, and Elizabeth Larry, and did. risking his life to do so. Uh, we now have it's it's oh, how many? It's like twenty four years, twenty five years later, 20, 26, 26 almost, 26, yeah. twenty six, almost. 26. February
1: the fifth, two thirty in the afternoon. February the fifth, <laughs> twenty six. Yeah,
0: twenty six years later, that you have uh, uh, your grandchild is going to be born sometime in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two. When's the grandchild due? Twenty
1: twenty two, January twenty twenty
0: two. So it's it's well, how. You any any person at any point you never know when you can make a difference to change somebody's life and how it can turn out. So you always have to have a positive outlook.
1: Yeah, you know, and bad be things happen to, to all help of us. Some, you know. All of us. Every everybody I've ever known, even people that had a perfect life, you know, bad things happen to us and, and you just don't give up. You just keep going and you just keep believing. You believe in yourself, you believe in the universe, you just you just don't give up. It's black and white to me. You give up or you go forward. And to me, I was like, uh, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm going forward. And you just you keep doing it.
0: Okay. So, if there's one thing you could change in your life right now, what would it be?
1: Nothing. I'm, I'm so good. That's great to hear. That's great to hear that after you've
0: overcome such a, such a yeah, horrific people, experience.
1: All of the experience you have, you grow through. You do. I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go do that again. But I, I've grown. I've become stronger. I know who I am way better than I ever would have known who I was.
0: Hey, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And you're an inspiration to me and to everyone, everyone here in the room. And we look forward to hearing many great things. And we're dying to know what the baby's going to be. Oh, I can't and wait. And keep, please keep us posted when the baby is born. And thank you so much for joining thank us you. today. It's thank my you, pleasure everyone.
1: to Bye be now. here, of course.
0: Thank you to all of our listeners. I hope that this episode has proven that it is never too late to overcome obstacles and to show your gratitude to the people in your life. We look forward to hearing your feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Never Too Late to Start Conference to let us know your thoughts.